Galatians 3, 19 through 27 today. Galatians 3, verses 19 through 27. Paul writes, this was our text from last month. Let's read this to get some context. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. The law was ordered through angels by means of a mediator. Now a mediator is not for just one person, but Yahweh is one. Is the law therefore contrary to Yahweh's promises? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that was able to give life, then righteousness would certainly be by the law. But the scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise by faith in Yeshua the Messiah might be given to those who believe. Here's our text for this month. We'll cover these, these verses the next three Sabbaths. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For you are all sons of Yahweh through faith in the Messiah, Yeshua. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. So we're preparing for the Feast of Pentecost at the end of this moon. As we see it this year, Pentecost falls out in between the last Sabbath of this month and the fifth new moon. So we'll have a three-day revival to close out this moon. The only difference between this revival and other revivals is we didn't schedule this one. Yahweh scheduled it. You know we can't schedule revivals? Did you know that? But Yahweh Almighty has already scheduled them in His Word. We're just commanded to show up and worship in spirit and in truth. So I thought about teaching some sermons specifically on the Feast of Pentecost, the second of the three major feasts in Israel. But I really didn't want to navigate away from the book of Galatians because we're about to get into a very thick portion of this epistle. And there's some deep waters here at the end of chapter 3. And so I'm going to stay in Galatians. We're going to keep swimming through the deep and talk about these things here at the latter portion of chapter 3. So in a way, these sermons in verses 24 through 27 are Pentecost sermons because they will be centered on the law of Yahweh and traditionally Pentecost, one memorial that Pentecost is, is a memorial of when Yahweh gave his law, his written, his codified law on the tablets of stone to prophet Moses and then Moses wrote many additional laws or statutes and judgments in a book that was placed beside the tablets of stone. And so in a way, these sermons this moon are going to be Pentecost sermons. We talked about last month why the law was given in verses 19 through 23, and we even talked about the codified law. This month we're going to talk about the law as our guardian, or as it might be more familiar to some of you, are people who read the more traditional King James Version. The law was our schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. And so these will be related to Pentecost because they're related to the law. Before we get into verses 23 through 27, I want to point out something that I did not catch in my last sermon. 
Brother Dan pointed this out to me after I was done teaching that last sermon, and I'm always thankful for more insight from the brothers and the sisters and the children in our congregation. I learned from all three. Amen? The brothers, the sisters, and I learned from my children as well. I listen when people share something with me. I'm very attentive. I listen. That doesn't mean I will always agree, but I do listen attentively. And how many know if we lose our ability to listen and learn, we've lost everything. If we think we cannot grow anymore in the Word, if we think we cannot develop in our understanding of the Scriptures, we are in a bad place. So I shared with you in the last sermon that I believe that in verse 17, where Paul writes the law, which came 430 years later, I shared with you that I believe that's a reference to the codified law or the written down law of Yahweh. Not that the law of Yahweh did not exist in some form or to some capacity prior to that, but that the giving of the law 430 years later after the promise was made to Abraham in Genesis 12 through 15 was the written down law. I don't believe that it's a reference to one or two added laws, and I don't believe it's a reference to anything that did not exist in Abraham's time. Some people teach that anything that was added in Moses' time is done away with and anything that existed during Abraham's time is still in force. But the people that teach that or say they believe that don't really believe that because those who teach this don't believe in things like animal sacrifices which did exist in Abraham's time among other laws. But they do believe in things like the law of the bill of divorcement, which did not exist in Abraham's time, but was added around the time of Deuteronomy. So it's a bad argument in my estimation. The law that came 430 years later, verse 17, also called the added law, added to the promise that Yahweh gave to Abraham, is the written down or the codified law. It's all of it. It's the law that Yahweh gave Moses at the end of his first 40-day fast. Now, if you'll notice, and you might want to, if you write in your Bible, you might want to circle all these. The word law is used in verse 17, verse 18, verse 19, and then three times in verse 21. That's six uses of the word law in verses 17 through 21. But then in verse 22, Paul switches and says, but the scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power. And that's the part that I read and I talked about but I did not catch. The use of the word scripture in verse 22 gives weight or added weight to my understanding that the law in reference 430 years after the promise is a reference to the written law because the word scripture means that which has been written, holy writ. So the scripture that Paul is referring to in verse 21, or excuse me, in verse 22, where he says, but the scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power, The scripture that Paul is referring to is the law. That's the scripture he's referring to. The written down law that imprisons everything under the power of sin. So the law that we read is a fine mirror to show us that we're guilty of transgression. I thought that was an excellent point from Brother Dan. And I'm glad that he shared it with me. And I told him I would share it with the congregation. So now we move on into verse 23, which says again, Before this faith came... We were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. Before this faith came. So, did faith not exist prior to the coming of the Messiah? Paul says in verse 23, before this faith came. 
There is no way that Paul could be saying that faith did not exist prior to the coming of the Messiah because he spent the first part of chapter 3 here in Galatians teaching that Abraham was justified by faith. And he quoted from Genesis 15 verse 6 where it says, Abraham believed Yahweh, the promise of Yahweh that he made to Abraham, and it was counted, imputed, or reckoned unto Abraham for righteousness. Okay? So Paul mentions that here in Galatians 3. And even Yeshua himself says in John 8, he says to the Pharisees that Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. So Abraham rejoiced to see the day of the Messiah. He didn't see the Messiah, but he rejoiced to see the day of the Messiah. And he saw it. How did he see it? By faith. So Abraham had faith in the promised Messiah. Abraham's justified the exact same way that Matthew's justified, by faith in the Messiah. It's just that I look back to the Messiah. Abraham looked forward to the Messiah. Okay? So we're justified the same way. Abraham knew of the Messiah, not in the intricate details that we know of him now that he has came, but Abraham knew of the Messiah to the extent that Yahweh revealed the Messiah to Abraham in his time. Once prophecy is fulfilled, I've always said this, once prophecy is fulfilled, it becomes more clear or more apparent. Prior to its fulfillment, there's a lot of guesswork that goes on. There's a lot about the second coming of Christ that people want to talk about. And I believe we can know about the second coming of Christ, but we'll know more about the second coming of Christ after it takes place because we'll see, see it all unfold. So Abraham believed in the Messiah even though he had not came. So what does Paul mean when he writes, before this faith came, we were confined under the law? This is what I think Paul is writing about. I think he's writing about the, the actual physical first coming of Christ to this earth. Yeshua, the Messiah, has always been in the plan of Yahweh. Or, as John 1.18 literally says, in the bosom of the Father. Revelation 13 verse 8 tells us that Yeshua was slain before the foundations of the earth. Yes. How? Predestinated, foreordained. Yes. It was already planned. It was not an accomplished fact until it happened at Calvary, but it was already as good as done because anything that Yahweh predestines cannot not come to pass, if that's the right way to say that. Anything that Yahweh foreordains or promises or predestines has to come to pass. But the first coming of the Messiah did not happen until, as Galatians 4.4 4 says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Before this faith came, in verse 23, means before Yeshua the Messiah was physically born, grew up, ministered, obeyed the law, died for sin, resurrected the third day, ascended into heaven to live with the Father. Before all of that came about, Paul says that we, and I think Paul specifically when he uses the term we, I think he's speaking about him and his fellow Israelites. Paul says we were kept in confinement or custody under the law. They were imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed, meaning until the first coming of Christ and all that that entailed, all the work of Christ at His first coming. Notice in verse 23 at the end it says, until the coming faith was revealed. 
I like that because it further shows that Yeshua's physical first coming is being referenced to. It was always coming. Notice that until the coming faith was revealed. It was always coming. It was always going to happen back in the Old Testament. It was always predestined to happen, but it was not revealed until it took place. First Peter says that the Messiah was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you when he wrote his first epistle. So how do we take Paul's point in verse 23 about being confined under the law and imprisoned? That's how we read here in the HCSB. The King James Version reads, Before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. The American Standard and Revised Version reads, We were kept in ward by the law. The Scriptures translation, a Messianic translation, says that we were being guarded by the Torah. The more that I've meditated on this verse and these translations, I don't really have a problem with any of them. None of them cast a negative light on the law when understood in their context. The HCSB's use of imprisoned is fine. It's a good translation based on the Greek. It's fine so long as we understand that it was our sins or sin in general against the law that caused the imprisonment. Once again, we must understand it was our sins against the law that caused the imprisonment. It caused the imprisonment for one, all of the Israelites prior to the first coming of Christ and two, all of us prior to our faith in Christ that came. This goes back to the law being a mirror. We break the law. The law shows us our sin and it holds us accountable for our trespasses. We're debtors, but by grace. So long as we understand it this way, it is an imprisonment for our own good. It's not an imprisonment to harm us. It's an imprisonment to show us for our own good. It's not that the law itself is a prison. I listened to one sermon. I listened to a lot of sermons just to get different flavors. And I listened to one sermon. And some people are okay with talking about the law as a prison or the law in such a negative way. And I would encourage anybody that hears this sermon later to, if you think the law is so negative and, and you have a problem with it and you think it itself is a prison, then you need to read Psalm 119 every day for 30 days. And then come back to me and tell me if you still feel the same way. The law itself is not a prison. And keeping the law is not getting into a prison. No. Somebody told me one time, I don't want to keep the law. I'm going to be under bondage if I do that. No. no. It's not what the Bible teaches. That's not Paul's point at all. The point is that before the Messiah's first physical coming, all of the Israelites were confined under the law and were imprisoned because they were all accountable for their transgressions against the law. Before this faith came, we were kept in confinement, being imprisoned until the faith that was coming would later be revealed. The law kept them in ward. How did it do that? By definitively showing them what sin was. That's how Paul and his fellow kinsmen were confined or imprisoned or kept or shut up to the later faith. So Paul is recognizing here what he just wrote in verse 22. Look at verse 22. But the scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power. What is sin? Sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3 verse 4. 
So Paul and all of his fellow kinsmen, all of the Israelites, had committed sin, so they were under the imprisonment of sin via the law until the coming faith was revealed, the first coming and the work of the Messiah. No Israelite would have ever received ultimate final forgiveness for their sins if Yeshua had not come. He was the faith that was to come and now has come. Paul is telling us in this chapter that apart from Yahweh sending us his own son, none of us would have any hope of salvation. And this is why. Because we have all transgressed the law of Yahweh. We're all confined and imprisoned by our sins against that holy law until faith comes for each and every one of us. Faith in Christ. The law kept us in ward. We were all shut up by the law. Praise be to Yahweh when we recognize that. Because everyone does not recognize that. Some people fight the law tooth and nail. Fist fight the law. Some people spurn the law. Some people would like to spit on the law. Some people would like to step on the law. The Sabbath day is looked upon as bondage and broken because people don't want to give Yahweh an entire day. Adultery and fornication is rampant today. And people commit it, and the more that they do it, they think that there's nothing wrong with it. It becomes no longer a sin in their minds. Homosexuality is considered a permissible lifestyle in the United States of America. It's promoted. It's taken pride in. Little babies are murdered inside their mother's wombs, and it's sanctioned by our government. All of these are ways, and I could continue to go on and on and on through every one of the commandments, but all of these are ways that the law of Yahweh is spurned. Some people break Sabbath, commit adultery, practice homosexuality, or have an abortion without thinking that any of it is wrong. As a matter of fact, they take pride in it. They take pride in sin. A lot of people do that. They don't recognize that they're imprisoned by their sins against the law. They don't like being kept in ward under the law. They don't like the law telling them that they are imprisoned because of their sin. But that's what the law is designed to do. It reveals to you your dirt. It reveals to you your mess. It shows us all our need to be washed. But you have to admit that. You've got to admit that you are dirty. You've got to admit that you do not deserve to be saved. You have to admit that. You've got to admit that you are deserving of punishment. When I witness, one of the passages I bring up is Psalm 103, when I witness to the lost and I explain to them that Yahweh has not dealt with me, Matthew Jansen, as I deserve. If Yahweh dealt with me as I deserve, I wouldn't be standing here, I wouldn't be alive, I would be condemned, I would be damned for eternity. But Yahweh has not dealt with me as I deserve. You've got to admit that you don't deserve to be saved. Only then, catch this, only then are you proclaiming the goodness and the holiness of the law. When you come to the point in your life where you can admit to Yahweh, have mercy on me, a sinner. I do not deserve salvation, but I beg you for it. I repent of my sins. I confess. I'm baptized. Then Yahweh can work with you. He's got something to work with but not somebody that takes pride in their sin and is not willing to admit that they need to be saved. Admitting that you are a sinner, confessing your sins, praying to Yahweh to help you obey His law, never okaying or excusing sin. 
All of these things are ways that you proclaim the law's goodness, holiness, and perfection. Instead of making excuses for your sin, you acknowledge your sin. I had a conversation this past week concerning how that everyone that is alive is a sinner. Some people are repentant sinners and some people are practicing unrepentant sinners. Let me give you an example. I think you'll agree with this. You can have two children who commit a wrong against their parents. Let's say both children lie to their parents in order to cover up something that they did bad. But as they walk away after the lie, one of those children feels remorse and sorrow for lying while the other continues to walk away and he smirks that he got away with lying to his mom and his dad. See, the child who feels remorse, what happens is he or she goes back to their parents in confession and in repentance. That doesn't mean that the child will never lie again. But it does mean that the child is one who has just acknowledged the righteousness of the law and his own wickedness. The son who walked away smirking is in open and active rebellion against not only his parents, but more importantly against Almighty Yahweh. And it is like that with every law in the Bible that governs our life. As we live from day to day, we either live a life of confession and repentance or we live smirking at Yahweh, thinking that we are okay in our sin and in no danger. One way acknowledges the law as our guardian. The other way spurns Yahweh and spits in His face. Never, ever, ever excuse or okay sin. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Proverbs 28, verse 13, KJV. As I close today, I want you to be willing to admit that no matter what you've done or do, apart from Yahweh sending His own Son, nothing you could ever do would be good enough to save you. Nothing you could do. Before faith came, you were kept in custody under the law. Shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. I'm speaking personally now. Before your faith the Messiah came, you were kept in custody under the law and you were shut up to salvation. The law shut your mouth. The law condemned you. But the moment that you acknowledged your sin in confession and repentance and remorse and sorrow and believed in the Son of Yahweh, you were forgiven by faith. And I also want you to recognize that Christians, no matter who they are, are still repentant sinners. That can be a humbling thing to admit, that you're a repentant sinner. But let me tell you something. If you're saved, if you're genuinely saved by Yahweh, Yahweh will work on your mind and your heart. And one day, if you don't already admit it, one day you will admit it. Because Yahweh will bring you to the lowest of lows. And Yahweh knows exactly how to work on our minds and our hearts. That doesn't mean He has to work on Brother Matthew the same way He works on Brother Rocket via Brother Frankie or Brother Ron. He works on us different. He knows exactly what we need to knock us off our pedestal. He knows exactly what we need to create a clean heart in us and renew a right spirit in us. He knows exactly what we need. It's a humbling thing to admit that we are 
a sinner saved by grace. But we all have our hang-ups. What I deal with in my life or what I struggle with in regards to sin may not be the same as you. May not be the same as you. My sin that I struggle with may not look the same as your sin that you struggle with. You say, Brother Matthew, you're a pastor and you struggle with sin. Let me tell you something. Every pastor struggles with sin. Everyone does. Every person struggles with sin. Every saint, old and young in the church, struggles with some kind of sin in their life. They struggle with it. The key is is that we don't excuse it or we don't okay it or we don't think that it's all right, but that we go to the feet of Yahweh the Father each day and we say, forgive me for my debts and help me to forgive my debtors. I may not struggle the same way you do, and you may not struggle the same way I do, but let me tell you something. If we confess our sins and we forsake our sins and we repent of our sins and we get together and we pull together and we don't try to drag one another down, but we build one another up in the Holy Spirit, we'll be more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We will. I come to the Father every day begging for His forgiveness on my face because I know Yahweh has shown me that I'm not good enough to earn or deserve His salvation. It's Yahweh's salvation to give. I don't merit it. I don't earn it. Before faith came, I was kept in custody under the law, shut up to the faith which would later be revealed in my life. But I'm so glad that Yahweh found me. I was the one that was lost. I tell people I didn't find Yahweh. Yahweh found Matthew. Yahweh's not lost. Matthew was lost. Yahweh found me. And I'm so thankful that the law of Yahweh teaches me my need for a Savior. So thankful. I'm so thankful that although we have all broken the holy law of the Creator of the universe, the Creator of the cosmos, He has made a way that we can be forgiven in His sight. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those which were under the law. That makes me happy. That makes me smile. It's hard for me to believe sometimes. It is. Some days I struggle to believe it at all. I say, Lord, I believe, but help them my unbelief. I pray and I say, me, Yahweh, you love me, but I've done you wrong. I've sinned so many times against you, Yahweh, and you love me, and you forgive me, and I'm your child? These are things I tell Yahweh. And He says, yes, my child. If you confess your sins and repent of your sins and believe in the one I have sent to forgive you, Amen. you are whiter than snow. Not as white as snow. I don't like when people say He'll make us as white as snow because the Bible says whiter than snow. Clean, brother. He washes us clean. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. That's some amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Amen. <laughs> How sweet the sound. Before your faith came, you were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. No one would ever be saved if the Messiah had not been sent by Yahweh. No one would ever be saved. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You so much. I love You. I thank You. I appreciate You. Blessed be Your holy name, Yahweh. We thank You for Your salvation and we thank You for Your law that points us. It's a big arrow that points us in the right direction, that points us to the Messiah. Thank You so much for loving us. Thank You so much for sending Your Son to die for us.
Thank you, Father Yahweh, for the new heart. Let us not boast. Help us, Yahweh, when we do. Let us not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Yahweh, humble us. Make us more humble. Make me humble, Yahweh. Make me humble. I pray all these things through the Messiah. Amen.